The story you are about to hear is fictitious. The character and portions of the story are based on historical accounts. The story is told the way it might occur through the realization of the times and from the perceptiveness of the character. The listener should take heed as portions of this narrative contain adult humor and some content may not be suitable for younger listeners. My name is Luke McGlue, better recognized in Southwest Kansas as a mischief maker. Most people who know me say I show immense charisma. I have a gift of putting a smile on a man's face. And when a man disagrees with me, I just turn on me elegance with selected wit and a smile. Everything I do in life turns out in my favor, and important men surround me, hoping some of my sparkles might rub off on them. I have this keen ability to spin a web of fascination around everyone who employs my humor. I'm a real charmer. I'm creative, too. I'm good at playing out the abstracted confusion in the same way a midget is good at being short. Time passed over me in solitude and boredom during the month of October. The cattle drives were few and less each day. The saloons had grown empty, and the gamblers left for Colorado. I spent my mornings reading the Daily Globe. I scanned the newspaper front and back to find an inspiring article to bring me back into a joyous mood. Every day the same news would appear. The stories of vagrants around town, the need for city reform, legislatures making bad decisions, and letters to the editors of dissatisfied community members. These were the same community members having little or no perspective about ways to solve the problems. They had become so insensitive to their complaints. Most were about the Dodge City Gang and how Bad Masterson should be replaced as Fard County Sheriff. Then one day I found an interesting article announcing a Dr. Meredith providing a lecture and examination on private diseases. The article further explained that Dr. Meredith would be traveling with a Dr. Shaft from the Netherlands, an expert in gynecology. Dr. Shaft would have a rare display of artifacts on display, and the event would be held at the Lady Gay Saloon. The article specified a need for privacy, and only those who applied would be allowed to access this closed lecture. I rose up with excitement, put on my best dress and marched over to the sheriff's office, where Bat Masterson happened to be selling tickets. I arrived the next morning at the Lady Gay Saloon, only to find myself in a long line of men from Ford County. Each was waiting to complete the needed paperwork before seeing the genuine doctors. Most were interested in seeing the doctor from the Netherlands, Dr. Sanka Shaft. While I stood idle in line, I saw a freighter wagon being unloaded into one of the back rooms of the Lady Gay Saloon. During this time, I witnessed Dr. Meredith coming out at the Dodge House, crossing over the tracks. He had two old ladies following him. When he reached the boardwalk where I stood, a white-haired lady holding a cane tapped Dr. Meredith on the back. Sir, I am so looking forward to tomorrow's speech at the First Union Church. I heard you love old ladies. Quick as a flash, Dr. Meredith said, I certainly do, but I also love them your age too. The good doctor then quickly left the two ladies standing on the boardwalk, with a given impression the doctor was eligible and ready for his next encounter. 
It took me about a half an hour to fill out the examination form before I was moved into a private room. There in the room with me was a strong scent of alcohol. The smell whirled around my head, and it was not the kind you drink. I recognized an abundance of clear canisters of various sizes, all packed tightly in open casings. Each jar was labeled. I stared at one jar, squinting my eyes from a distance, and read what I thought to be a statement on the label. Specimen 1276 Bull Testicles My eyes went to the next jar sitting on the floor. It was a huge jar. Printed on this jar was Specimen 9247 Japanese Dolphin Testicles By golly, I grinned to myself, thinking Dr. Sanka's shaft must be a nut collector, and I am in a room full of nuts. My curiosity started to get the best of me. I moved around the dark kerosene-lit room and explored every jar in the space. Then I spotted the largest jar in the darkest corner of the room. It was hidden from sight and stood almost four feet tall. I thought to myself, this must be the giant hunker of them all. I stooped over to read the label. Specimen 19883, Blue Whale Testicle. I stepped back from the four-foot jar to take it all in, thinking, this specimen must be the largest testicle of any known creature on Earth. I scratched my head, put my nose up to the oval canister, and peered through the murky fluid. The specimen inside the jar must have been two and a half feet long and weighed at least a hundred pounds. I again laughed out, thinking, no wonder these big guys always want to come up for air. Them big blue balls of theirs is what keeps them down. By this time, I had enough. I busted out of the isolated examining room. I danced across the floor, holding on to me crotch like I was riding a wild bull. I glanced over at the stage and witnessed a horrified look on Dr. Meredith's face. He was approaching the podium where a substantial crowd had gathered. Before the doctor could say his first words, I screamed out in the room, Hold on to your saddle horns, boys. They're here to neuter you. I danced directly in front of the audience, screaming, They have jars full of testicles in that room, and none of them have a cowboy label on it. My yell created a shouting match involving Masterson and the other men in the audience. A major disruption of the room ensued. The doctor was dragged from the podium. Soon after, there was a crash. All the lamps went out at once, and a noisy and raucous shootout commenced. When it was all over, the participants had all vanished from the hall, except Dr. Meredith, who was cowering under the speaker's stand with a bullet hole in the crown of his hat. The good doctor from the Netherlands was never seen on this day, but his collection of treasures remained on the floor in a flood of alcohol amongst the bullet-shattered glass. It was on a hot summer day in June of 1877 when I met the minister of the Union Church, Reverend Armand W. Wright. The kind reverend was riding out of town on his favorite pony. He told me the Texas pony was purchased and delivered to him by James Langston. The reverend said he was grateful for Mr. Langston's offer. The pony allowed him to visit members of his church and to help spread the gospel. The reverend expressed his pleasure with the gentle animal and said he had become very fond of this creature. 
It gives me so much pleasure to mount up daily on such an earthly treasure, he said with grand contentment. The reverend glanced over at me horse and said, Luke, that sure is a fine horse you were riding. Well, thank you, reverend, I said. This is my second horse this week. I sold the first one for a healthy price, but the owner got mad as hell at me. So I decided to buy this one to get out of Mobiti before the marshal came to see my bill of sale. How about your horse? I asked. The reverend told me how he would ride out over the verdant prairie to breathe into fragrant air, and how his time on the prairie allowed him to renew his spiritual strength. My strength with God is now renewed, and the pong of the air in Dodge City is now motley revoked from my senses, he says. These daily trots provide me with fresh vigor and peace with the world around me. I began to think of myself when the reverend was telling his spiritual heart story. Nothing was this sacred or as illustrious as one of my Luke McGlue pranks. Where are you riding off to? I asked. I'm riding over to the Lancaster farm, he said. How many acres does Lancaster have? I asked. The reverend countered by proudly stating, Mr. Lancaster has over 150 acres of ranch land. This made me swell up inside, and I said, You know, Reverend, I used to have lots of land. Every morning I would ride me horse all day, and I could never reach the end of my property. I'm sorry to learn this, Luke, replied the Reverend. I used to have a horse just like that. Now I have this fine pony. The Reverend smiled and used his reins to turn his horse away from me. He then lightly spurred his horse, giving a gesture of two clicks, and off he rode. Now, with Reverend's ending statement, I thought to myself, maybe I should become a notorious horse thief today. After the Reverend rode off, I decided to steal the preacher's horse. I thought to myself, this would leave him in a spasm of grief. He could not be consoled if his prize pony disappeared. This would teach him not to pose any more bad impressions of me especially when it came to my ability to select fine horses. I now relish the idea. Taking the reverend's pony would be my next practical joke. The next morning, Reverend Wright was seen running down Front Street and across the tracks yelling, Where's the sheriff? Someone get the sheriff for me and no good thief has taken my pony. A deputy sheriff who was in on the joke saw the fast approaching reverend headed in the direction of his office. The deputy stepped out into the street before the reverend could come inside. This was done because the deputy did not want the marshal to know about the stolen pony. The deputy told the reverend that the culprit who stole his pony had been found. The deputy asked Reverend Wright whether the criminal should be shot or hanged. Momentarily, Wright struggled between the urge for revenge and his sense of Christian forgiveness. But the reverend figured out immediately the crook was none other than Luke McGlue, and his good-natured response earned him a place with McGlue's gang of men. My reputation as Luke McGlue rose rapidly in Dodge City society, from horse thief to mayor. Evidence of me fame was recorded in many a newspaper article, including me famous posting on the depot building. It was my official announcement as mayor. The 1878 newspaper article pronounced, Me, Luke McGlue, Mayor of Dodge City. The article gave an official declaration that I, Luke McGlue, would enforce the vagrant law, thereby warning tramps who infest those quarters. 
posted under this notification was a referendum stating that all townspeople could be trained in the Luke McGlue Special High Society Training Program. Those trained individuals will have the sole purpose of giving the members of City Council and the new sheriff more S-H-I-T than any other town in Kansas. If you feel, as a member of this community, that you would like to participate in this program, please contact Luke McGlue, the new mayor, and he will place your name on his shit list. The article concludes by stating that this was a timely action by Luke McGlue, and there is hope that he will extend his authority over the city. That's it for now. Remember to check out our Wild West podcast shows on iTunes Podcast or at www.wildwestpodcast.com Thanks for listening to our podcast. This podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons attribute, non-commercial license. You can learn more about the legends of Dodge City by visiting our website at worldfamousgunfighters.weebly.com Weebly.com